Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My guest this week co-stars in the best show of the summer, if not the whole year. But if you recognize her, it's probably from celebrity impressions like this one. It was revealed on Thursday that the California woman who gave birth to octuplets this week already has six other children. Hey, sweet pea. What? Oh. Angelina Jolie. <laughs> what, what are you doing here? I heard someone had eight babies. Does she want all of them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think she does, yes. Hmm. Where's Amy? Oh, she left. Did you take her baby with her? Yes, she did. Too bad. I could always use a new baby. So, um, are you excited about the Oscars? Bye. Okay. Angelina Jolie, everybody. This is The Last Lap. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and that was Abby Elliott as Angelina Jolie with Seth Meyers on Saturday Night Live. So Abby is still probably best known for her four seasons as a cast member on SNL, where she impersonated celebrities like Meryl Streep, Zoe Deschanel, Anna Faris, and so many others. Now she has returned to the screen after a bit of a break from acting to play Carmi's sister Sugar on The Bear, a show that I could not stop thinking about after I burned through all eight episodes in two sittings when it premiered earlier this summer. So I was so excited to get the chance to talk with Abby about The Bear's first triumphant season and her hopes and dreams for season two including the Chicago-based actress she would choose to play her and Carmi's mother. Hint, it's yet another celebrity she impersonated on SNL. We also get into the advice her father, comedian and short-lived SNL cast member Chris Elliott, gave her before she joined the show, and how she dealt with getting let go by Lorne Michaels before she really had a chance to find her footing. I really, really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do as well. So here's me with Abby Elliott. So, yeah, I mean, I think we have to start with The Bear, which I am become, like a lot of people, very obsessed with. Uh, I just finished watching it for the second time through, um, and I think it was like seeing all new stuff, and it was so fun. I think, I'm for me, it's just like the best show of the summer of the year by a mile, um, and and you're so good in it. And um, so, yeah, and, and congrats on the season two pickup as well. is very exciting. Thank you. Yeah, we're super thrilled over here. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's just people really needed this show right now. After the past couple of years, you know, we've been deprived of a lot. Um, and I think everyone has suffered. And the show is, you know, goes into, like, the grief and humanity and relatability and just, you know, also trying to keep up. Um, it, it really explores so many different aspects of what, you know, humans are 
going through right now. So it's, um, it's really exciting to be a part of something that, you know, has really like touched so many people, you know, like it's like the first time that I've kind of been a part of a project that people have really responded to in the sort of way that wasn't, you know, it can't be like, I was going to ask, did you feel like you were kind of waiting for an opportunity like this, a show like this to do? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, it was the first job, uh, that I had going back after having my, my daughter. And so congratulations on that as well. Thank you. I was in this, like, you know, just sort of already in this vulnerable state of, you know, you know, having her during COVID and, um, you know, just, I, I really wanted to do something real and grounded and, you know, I also really liked popping in in it and being able to, you know, have a life on the side as well. Um, that, that was great. And yeah, as soon as I read the script, I was like, this is it. It wasn't all consuming, which, you know, I've taken jobs that have been like that for me before. So, yeah. Um, how did it uh, come your way to do audition or did, um, did you know someone involved or how did it happen? Um, I auditioned, uh, a couple times with Chris and it was all, everything was over zoom. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I just like really, I, I really connected to the material right away. And, and this character, this, you know, female character who is, is really like, her name is, is sugar. You know, she's, she's sweet. She's like feminine. She's, um, she's trying to keep her family together and she's really strong and resilient. And, um, you know, I, I, I like really related to that at the time and just, you know, trying to, to hold everything together and, um, and help her brother. Um, and yeah, so when I read it, I immediately knew, and I talked to Chris and Joanna and they, I just like felt Joanna and I have known each other for years and, uh, just felt like the right, the right thing at the right time. So yeah. Um, it's, it's funny. It's like, I feel like people are having a hard time categorizing the show and it can't really be categorized. Like it's a half hour show and it is really funny, but it's also like, you can't just call it a comedy, um, at all. It's like stressful and dramatic and intense. And, um, and you obviously, you come from a comedy background. Um, I know Chris comes from a comedy background, directing comedy specials and all that. So was that appealing to you as well, doing something that kind of doesn't fit in that but that comedy box, but is also has that, um, in it as well. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like, you know, I feel like audiences are just, have just gotten so much smarter and they, you know, you can small bullshit a mile away with, you know, a lot of comedies now. And I think like the story people get really invested in and, when there are funny moments, it's such a breath of fresh air on the show. Um, you know, cause you, you're just, you're like in it and you're in Carmi's like world and in his head. And then, you know, when something funny happens, it's just, it makes it funnier because it's so real and dramatic. And because you're, you really believe him, you really believe the story. I mean, Jeremy is such an amazing actor. I could watch him do like almost anything, you know, he's just, <laughs> he's so good. Um, did you have, did you have conversations, you know, while filming about tone or how funny to make something or how much to lean into comedy and those kind of things? 
Yeah. I mean, I think it was really on the page. It was just, my stuff was very just real and just a sister reaching out and, you know, kind of begging her brother for, you know, for, for him to get help. And I think like, you know, there were some things that jumped out at me, like, okay, a soft, shitty bitch. Like I call him that in one of the scenes and I'm like, that's such a weird, specific, funny thing. I think, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, just playing that character, like playing just like a real fucking human, um, and finding the moments was just so, you know, appealing to me. So, yeah, there's one, there's one scene I think where you're on the phone with him and, um, you know, he's telling you about all the insane things that he used to do at his old job. And you, you respond like, well, that's chill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when did the breathing problem start? I think maybe sometime in New York. I was throwing up every day before work. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds chill. I kind of dug it. You dug throwing up? No, 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 it was awful. Uh, chef was a piece of shit. Then why'd you stay there? I don't know. Um, people love the food. It felt good. Chefs always say a big part of the job is taking care of people, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I guess. Okay, well, you can't really do that if you're not taking care of yourself then. And I like when you tell me things. I'm just, I'm asking you to look at the thing. Mm-hmm. It's okay to ask for help. That's like, that feels like one of those very real moments that's funny, but also just feels like a real interaction between siblings. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what, you know, I would say to my sister and, you know, and it's, it's that thing of like, okay, that's chill. Like I, you know, I want to fix this for him. I want to, she has so much more underneath, you know, and she's really just trying to keep calm and hold it together. Uh, but it's, uh, I, I think it's a struggle and, and, um, and yeah, that moment of like, fuck, I guess, yeah, that's chill. Like, okay. You know, <laughs> what, what do I do with that? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And I feel like that she's like, her hands are tied a little, the whole, the whole uh, first season. Um, one scene that really stood out rewatching it and also, I mean, stood out the first time is that flashback scene with John Bernthal as Mikey, um, and is it true that you guys didn't know it was going to be him until like you were already filming and, and into the season? Yeah, no, we didn't. Um, and I think he was, he was out here. So we ended up, we were in Chicago the entire time and uh, he was working on a show out here. So we, we took, um, you know, the crew and, and ended up filming that one scene out in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, and that was like the final thing that we did. And, you know, it was just such a like clincher for the season because, uh, you know, he, he's a strong presence. Right. And so like at the end of shooting everything to like go in and shoot the scene with him, you're like, Oh, like that is why that is the reason for everything. It makes so much sense. And, you know, my character obviously is the middle child and is like stuck between Carmi and Mikey a little. And I feel like that scene kind of shows that too. 
The point is, we're out all night. We're drunk as shit. We're fucking high as shit. We figured the only place is still open, of course, series. And being 6.45 in the morning, we are right to assume that the place is going to be a fucking ghost town, right? No, 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 fuck off, sugar. Yo, we are not doing raisins. Don't raisins. do that. Mom, Don't to, we're not raisins. fucking doing raisins. Oh. Anyway, cousin, was it a ghost town? It was not a ghost town. Not only was it not a ghost town, it was a fucking rager. It was yeah. fucking packed. It was just like, whoo, right? <laughs> All fucking Blackhawk fans and cousin who was there. Savvy. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Savvy. Dennis, motherfucking Savard, number 18, in the house. Yeah, is he as charismatic in person as he is on, on TV? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was, so it was really yeah, wonderful. Was really He's so good. A, He's such a good actor. Yeah, it was a perfect, you know, the perfect kind of cameo like that, which doesn't always work, I feel like. But when you realize that's who it is, as you said, it does really all make sense. Yeah. Yeah. He's such a presence and he's so charismatic and that's why he, you know, sucked all these people into his, his world. And, you know, and ultimately like a lot of people like that, they, you know, they end up using drugs or whatever, you know, and you could just, you just like know that person, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's, it does seem like there's so much potential for season two on all kinds of levels. I mean, obviously like, in a way, the first season is this prologue to what the bear yeah, is in totally. the restaurant, it's a prelude. This, this new restaurant. Um, I love, there's a lot of like characters that are mentioned that we haven't met yet. And one of them is uh, the mom of the family, um, who I imagine could be a part of a, a future season. Um, did you think about that at all? Just thinking about who this mother character is? Because it seems like it could be a very crucial uh, figure in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And thinking about, you know, Chicago, Chicago actresses too. Um, Joan <laughs> Cusack yeah. came to mind. Like that I would, would be great. absolutely. I, yeah. When we were shooting, um, Chris Witoski, who plays Pete, my husband, um, on the show, we went out for lunch and we ended up in her oh, yeah, shop in Chicago. Shop, right? Yeah. She has a boutique and, um, we we talked to her and it was just like I because I did her on yeah, SNL I and I say. did her in my audition and you know Chris was very much like hey are you Joan and I was like no no please no and she <laughs> so, like so turned really around like, like that in real life who's too? asking <laughs> oh totally he he is and you know and then I was like oh hi like I'm such a huge fan I did you on. SNL and, you know, I, I want you to know it was out of love. And she was so sweet, like gave, you know, gave some toys to us and, um, for my daughter. And, was she, uh, like, was she like aware that you had done her on SNL or was she kind of just living in her she own She was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she is very much living in her own. Like she does not want to, you know, to be an actress really anymore. And, but I, I think that playing, yeah, my man, mother this would be this would be a would thing be. to come back for, right? I mean, I I mean, wouldn't that be cool? I that don't would know. Be very, very um, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you? I mean, in this first season too, it's like you exist pretty outside of the restaurant and everything going on there. Did you have? Uh, did you have some FOMO of like not getting to be in that world as much as? Uh, yeah, some majorly. The show? Yeah, of course. Um, and I mean, I think you know, it would like my stuff with Jeremy is just very slow. And, you know, 
and like soft and it, it takes you out of that a, mom, a moment to breathe. You which need is nice like a sometimes. moment to breathe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, for me, like I, I would watch the restaurant stuff, you know, like in table reads and rehearsals when I, you know, went to the stage and, and kind of like, just like, okay, oh my God. Okay. Over there. Oh, okay. Like this is chaotic. Like how do I keep up? (laughs) And also when you're watching it in the camera, isn't right there. You're like, you don't, you miss it. Like it just essentially looks like a kitchen. Um, so I think I didn't until I saw the the pilot. I didn't fully understand what was happening back there, um, which you know I think was good because I think my character, you know, I think Sugar really doesn't get it, you know. And um, this is this shitty beef restaurant that killed her brother, uh, and you know she. I think in the last episode. Um, when we're all having the family dinner, it's like the first moment of, okay, I see what you're trying to do. Um, I, I acknowledge that this is bringing you something, um, helpful in your journey of grief. Um, and, but I think up until that point, it's, it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? You need to go to Al-Anon. Like that's, you know, that's how you deal with it. Right. Right. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think Sugar also, like, I think her her grief is so, like, stifled. I think that her doing these, these things, checking it off a list, like, Al-Anon, okay, I'm going to do yoga today. That's going to help me on my journey. Like, that's, that's what her, as a woman, like, that's her way of dealing with it and, and bottling up. Like, I don't, I think she hasn't really broken yet, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you feel like once the restaurant becomes the bear, presumably in season two, that she could be more involved in that? Or would you, would you want to do that? I would love that? it. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Um, I did, I did wonder whether she's at that dinner where they just opened all the cans, but I wondered how aware she is of the money that they just found and, and what they're going right. to do with it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I, I think he hasn't opened up to her yet about that yeah, um, yeah. in true Carmi fashion coming up Abby breaks down how she started doing celebrity impressions when she was just starting out in comedy and later opens up about the time she almost single-handedly screwed up SNL's season finale cold open quality sleep is essential that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. 
So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. If you're enjoying this episode and want to hear more, please make sure you are following The Last Laugh wherever you get your podcasts. By subscribing to The Last Laugh, you can listen to my conversations with other SNL alums like Bill Hader, Will Forte, Anna Gasteyer, and Rachel Dratch, along with everything else from our free archive. And you'll be the first to hear new episodes when they drop every Tuesday. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how much you love the show and who you want to hear next. Now, back to Abby Elliott. So I do want to spend some time talking about, you know, the earlier uh, part of your career and sort of how you got started um, in the comedy world, because this podcast um, generally focuses on on comedy. Um, so how did you, you know, what were sort of the first steps that you took towards uh, this career? Um, well, you know, my my dad is an actor, Chris Elliott, and he, you know, growing up, I... I've always idolized him. Um, and I, you know, I was in all the plays and I don't know, every, you know, whatever, but, um, I started at Marymount Manhattan college in theater and was like, I need to drop out and go to LA because I have, I, you know, this is my youth. And, um, so I moved to LA and I started UCB and Groundlings classes and I joined a sketch group at UCB called the Midnight Show. And, um, it was like James Adomian and, um, a bunch of super he's talented. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Um, and I was kind of their impression girl, um, <laughs> there and I was really young. I was 20 and, uh, and I was living in a house. How did, how did, yeah. How did you start doing impressions? Like, why was that the thing that you, that you were doing then? I don't know. I, you know, I, I was living with my aunt and uncle in Thousand Oaks and like driving in every day. Um, and my cousin Carson and I would just like hang out and make stupid videos. And, you know, I was like, oh, I could do a Kirsten Dunst impression. We had just seen something, you know, and I remember it, it was when I was living in Thousand Oaks that I like did my makeup to like try and look like Angelina Jolie. And I mean, it was just like a funny thing I did. It was never like, yeah. well, it's funny, you it's know, like, my, you, were do, you were doing it before everyone was doing that on Instagram and TikTok, right? right. Which is now like right. how people yeah. get on SNL is totally do totally. impressions <laughs> and put them out in the world. And yeah, yeah. No, I was, I, you know, um, I, was just kind of doing it for fun. And, and then I was like, well, you know, maybe this could be something. And I, I was into SNL at the time. I was watching it a lot. And I, you know, I, I had done UCB in New York and I had met Bobby Moynihan and he got on the show and, um, Casey Wilson. And I felt like, okay, like maybe this is something that I could, you know, get. And so I auditioned, I, I sent in like, you know, every, every impression I could do, like think of. And some of them, I was like, okay, I'm not even going to include this. This is like a one liner, (laughs) stupid, you know, and, you know, just character, like just, just anything dumb that I could think of. And they asked me to do more and I did. And then they called me into audition. Uh, 
and that uh, that was a whole experience. Um, <laughs> How was the audition for you? I mean, it it went well. They didn't really laugh. I mean, there were some things that they laughed at. I did uh, Joan Cusack, Anna Ferris, Angelina Jolie, Katie Holmes. Um, yeah, did an a impression. Lot of, a lot of ones that ended up on the show. Yeah, yeah, totally, and um, and some characters that did not end up on the show uh, <laughs> for better or worse. Um, and yeah. And then after I like left the stage, someone said like, good job, Abby. And then, and then, you know, I got the call. Lauren wants to meet with you and met with him and just like my hands were <laughs> bad and shaking. <laughs> Yeah. And it was just like, I just remember taking a shot of whiskey after and just like, oh my God, like, is my life about to change or am I just going to go home? You know? Yeah. And um, once you, once you meet with Lauren, that's a pretty good sign that it's happening, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I flew back to LA. I was living there um, and turned on my phone after the flight and um, I had a million missed calls and messages and uh like everyone knew before I did really it was it been like announced like, in the press before you knew <laughs> I think it was announced the next day but um Lauren had actually called my dad um <laughs> before you knew to ask permission to ask for your hand yeah that's hilarious what did, how did how did that conversation go what did your dad tell you about that he, I, I think he said something like I know she's young like we'll we'll cultivate her talent and uh you know and my dad was like okay yeah I mean that's yeah it's great but my dad was also very much like you don't have to do this because he had an experience there that was yeah you know funny. very yeah. different and I, I talked to I interviewed your dad um a few years ago um I think when uh, Clara's ghost was coming out, yeah, um, yeah, which I loved, by the way, and that was I just oh, had good. so much fun watching that movie and so much fun talking to him. And so we talked a little bit about this and um, his time at SNL. And I know he kind of famously didn't have a very good time there. He, I think he turned it down once and then did it later and only did it for one year. So how did that whole experience with him affect your, you know? interest in doing it or your, your fears about doing it or, or any of that? Um, you know, it really didn't that much. Like I was just very driven and ambitious at that, at that time. Um, and my dad, you know, he was, I, I knew that he was in a different place in his career when he went to SNL, which he had already had his own sitcom and his own blockbuster movie. And he was a little more of a personality and a household name. And he, you know, had a Tostitos deal and, you know, it was like, it was just a very different thing for me. I was like, Oh, I'm taking this. This is the, literally the only opportunity I have. Like I, yeah. And it's a pretty good one. I had done a couple of voices on King of the Hill and it's a good one. And, you know, I mean, it doesn't pay much, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not the point, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it, uh, yeah, I, I had to take it, and I was 21. Um, now you were the youngest woman ever cast, right? Mm-hmm, yep. And, yeah, I mean, it, it in a lot of ways, it was like my my college experience. I was there for four years, 
Um, I didn't go to college, so, um, well, I did and I dropped out, but so this was, you know, just a learning, a huge learning curve for me. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was hard. It was, it was really rough. Like I, I thought that I was really tough and like could take it all. And, you know, now I'm dealing with it in therapy, but, um, it was kind of this thing of like, how much can I take at this show? You know, can I take another week of not being in sketches? Like that kind of thing. Like I think now having a family, I've kind of learned a little to detach emotionally from certain things, but, um, I didn't know any better then. And so I was really putting myself through it and really putting pressure on myself and, um, yeah. And then you'd have a good week and you'd be riding that high, you know, and then, um, and then just start over again and then you start over again. And then, you know, and for me too, like I was single in Manhattan and I could like, you know, I had my own apartment and that was just like a whole, like I was learning how to be a human as well, you know, and dating and, 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 yeah, and you're sort of getting famous at the same time. And, and getting famous and being recognized on the, for being on this show, um, you know, it was also it was also the first kind of like Twitter. Um, everyone's a critic, kind of like Twitter had just kind of started. It was two thousand seven, and yeah, I mean, to, so, to put it to put it in perspective, you started. I think you start. Didn't you start just after the two thousand eight election when the Palin stuff was happening? So that was, it was this very big moment at the show. I mean, it was right after Tina Fey's whole It was right after Tina did Palin and Amy, Amy had just left. um, And Casey came in and um, yeah, I started mid, I was like, I started in November. um, Which is strange, but I guess they were kind of refreshing after the election maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, and Amy, Amy left sort of midway through that season. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's what it was. Like there was just this like exodus and, um, and then they hired all these new people and Kristen was kind of the like senior, um, female there, like cast member. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I started with Michaela Watkins, who's fantastic and, um, yeah. And, you know, we, we both had very different experiences because she came in with years and years of like groundling stuff under her belt. And, um, and she like got a ton of stuff on and her experience was just different from mine because I didn't have that. I didn't have, you know, that training or that confidence, honestly, to, uh, to, to feel good. And really I was confident on air, I think, Um, because I had to be, but at the table reads and, you know, asking writers to write with me, like, that's where I just like, couldn't handle it. Like I, I just couldn't, you know, perform to the best of my, my ability when I like was running on little sleep. And when I'm just, I'm like drinking too much, I'm, you know, um, all the, you know, and the thoughts of like, Oh, all these people, think of me as this young person on the show. And like, do they think I just got on because my dad and that was hard. Like the nepotism stuff I tried to ignore. Um, but when it came down to Saturday night, I do feel like that's when I was like, okay, I can do this, you know? 
this is the fun part. This is when I just get to entertain an audience. Um, yeah. But yeah. It was did you, the, did you ever sort of get to compare notes with your dad in terms of like his experience versus yours and how, how they compared? Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we talk all the time. We're really close. So he, he sort of knew what I was going through and he would help me with sketches and, you know, and then I, I'd, I'd bring them to a writer and, and they would help, you know, they'd be like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. Like, I don't know. But like, like, I'm like, no, my dad wrote this. Like, you know, yeah, I was going to say, did you, did you say that? Or did you not want to say that? <laughs> um, I don't know. I probably said it. Um, I don't care. Like I didn't have, I, I wasn't a writer when I started that show by any yeah, means. But you're forced to be. I was forced to be, which, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Cause I do feel like I learned so much and, um, and now I really like writing, but, uh, yeah, yeah. At the time, you know, I would call my dad crying on, you know, writing night and just like, why is it 2am and there's nobody helping me, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it seems like the impressions were the thing that you really did thrive at, at the show. I mean, it's something that they always need and, um, you know, there's always a place for it. Uh, it, you did a lot of the, um, celebrities in weekend update desk pieces with Seth Meyers. Uh, is there, are there any of those that kind of stand out to you as, um, ones that you think went really well or that were fun to do? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I really like doing Meryl Streep on update and I did a, like a Meryl Streep at Madison square garden, ice skating Christmas show. Um, <laughs> commercial parody, uh, which was really fun. And I'm trying to think, I really like doing, uh, Sarah McLaughlin singing about, uh, sick dogs. Yeah, that was fun. Sarah, I have to tell you, I am so excited about Lilith Fair. I am also so, so excited, Seth. Lilith Fair means so much to me, but there's something else I want to talk to you about, Seth. What's that? The dogs. Oh, no, 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 The dogs, Seth. Dooby-dobby-dobby-day. We talked about this, and you agreed you weren't going to bring up those dogs from those creepy ASPCA commercials. Seth, all the dogs you are about to see are dead or about to die. No, don't show the dogs. foreclosure. No. Fly away from here. Oh, I hate these commercials. It's funny you mentioned, uh, you know, running into Joan Cusack, because um, I'm always curious about sort of the interactions with the real people that you're impersonating. And you'd even do it on the show sometimes with the person there. Like, I remember there was one where you're doing Zoe Deschanel, who's doing Mary Kate Olsen. Yes. <laughs> um, and yeah. then there's the, the Anna Ferris monologue that you did with her. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are, what right. are those yeah. experiences like to kind of be there with the real person who you're impersonating? Because that must be strange. It is strange. I mean, everyone's a really good sport about it to your face. And um, <laughs> and then you kind of are like, did they enjoy that? And, you know, if someone had done that to me, I I, I don't know if I, I would have enjoyed it. Um, I do think like, you know, Anna was a great sport about it. And, and Zoe, um, I think, I don't know. I think that like, it is this thing of like, so I did Brittany Murphy on, um, on weekend update and it, 
you know, it was, it was two weeks before she died. Um, yeah. And it was, I adored her, like loved her, worked with her on King of the Hill and had a great experience with her. And, um, that was, you know, it was just, it was really difficult. We pulled it immediately, but that experience scared me a little with going forward and doing impressions. And, um, yeah, I mean, I I think especially as you get more sort of in that world yourself too, it must be kind of like you see it from the other side because you were so young doing it at the beginning where you're not probably thinking that much about how it's affecting these people. No. And, you know, I, I didn't personally write it and it was in the same vein of like the Whitney Houston, like that's how like, you know, the Whitney Houston kind of like, and at that time, like that, that kind of, um, I, I, it's not like, it's not comedy essentially. It's just calling out pop culture and calling out things that you see in us weekly. Right. And, um, so it was just, it was just horrible. And that really kind of steered me away, I think from, you know, the lightness of impressions and, yeah. you know, it going, made you think about it in a different way. Yeah. And just like, okay, I, you know, these are humans and, um, it's, even though it, it seems like it's like tabloid fodder to us, you know, it's like, it, this is real life and it's really scary. And, you know, and my heart was broken after that. How did you feel about leaving the show after four years at the time? I mean, was it something I, I imagine it was not your decision to leave. Um, but how did you feel about it? You know, I was kind of ready. I had gotten this sitcom pilot that then I got fired from. And so I was going to shoot the sitcom during my off week. Uh, and for whatever reason, they recast me like after I had gone to LA to shoot it. Was that a show so that I actually had, like, went on and happened or? It went on for a season. Yeah. But it then it got canceled. And so I had to go back to the show and go like, Lauren, I'm so sorry. I, you know, this was a mistake and I'm happy here. And, you know, can I finish the season? Can I keep going on the show? And I think after that, he was like, okay, I'm going to let her, let her loose. And, um, Cause you, you know, just sort of, but... you saw that there were other things that you wanted to be doing or. Yeah. And I really, really wanted to, to act and, um, and just, it just wasn't right for me. Like my characters just never, for whatever reason, whether it was my confidence at the table, like they just never hit. And they, I don't think that anyone really trusted me to, to do a big character on the show. I think the impressions were one thing because I, I could do that. And I, that I felt like safe in. It was your lane. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So I think he kind of knew, um, that I would be happier doing something else, um, at that time. And I had been there for four years, so that's enough. You know, um, I was looking, is it true that your last episode was also Kristen Wiig's last episode? Yeah. That must've been kind of (laughs) odd. Did you, and you knew it was your last episode, but I didn't know. Oh, you didn't know? I didn't. Um, I had a, a oh, hunch you but out, uh, you thought you might be coming back but then he yeah i didn't know and then it was like you know kind of a couple of weeks before the the season premiere that um steve higgins called me and said he's not he's not bringing you back and it was like okay and i think i just like 
ate pizza and drank wine in bed for a week and did not get up. And then I went to Italy and ate more pizza. <laughs> and did that again. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. And, you know, I love Kristen. She's, she's amazing. Um, but that kind of summed up my time there of like her send off and yeah, my last she, episode. Of, she, her you know. send off is like legendary of the, you know, getting serenaded by the Rolling Stones. And then I think there was a, like a massive party afterwards, right? Yeah. It was, yeah. Like a larger than usual party. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, not the worst last show so. to have for you. I mean, no, <laughs> it's, no, it's a fun one. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, she deserved it and she was amazing on that show and, and a friend to me. And, you know, so it wasn't that it was, it was, it wasn't that I was like, you know, jealous. Um, but it was, it was more just like, okay, I'm, definitely the underdog here and the underutilized, you know, um, for whatever reason. And that's okay. You know, I, I'm, I've like figured out that I figured out how to be comfortable with that after the fact, I guess. After the wine and the pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That helped. Um, what was sort of, how did you you know, think about what you wanted to do next once you, you know, got back from Italy and, and, and looked at, you know, what, what you wanted to do. I mean, cause now you could kind of do anything, but you're, you know, you're always going to be a, a former SNL cast member, which I think is, is so funny. It's like, it's hard to get past that in a lot of ways. It is. Yeah. I was lucky. I got to do an arc on how I met your mother right after SNL, that was a really good experience for me. Um, because it was nurturing Pam Fryman directed and she's absolutely just the kindest, most like just most wonderful director, um, TV director. And she, she really built up my confidence a lot more than anyone had in previous years. And, uh, so it was, that was a really good experience and Craig and Carter and just that cast, um, that made me feel like, okay, I can go into the pilot season now and feel, you know, feel good and feel funny and feel like I can do, I can act on a sitcom and, um, and, and do my thing. And, uh, so, so that was really great for me. And then it was pilot season and I forget where I was that pilot season, or what had come out of it, possibly nothing, but, um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah. Was it, uh, was it after SNL that you did that, uh, inside Amy Schumer sketch, the, the compliment sketch, which I, I just rewatched and is is one of the funnier things that was on that show. That was right after SNL, actually. I think I flew back for that. Um, it was like the dead of winter. We shot that outside. And, yeah, um, that was one of her first, and, yeah. yeah. And Greta Lee, that was one of her first kind of, uh, big sketches that came out of inside Amy Schumer. And I love Amy. She's, she's amazing. Oh my God, Brie, you dyed your hair. It looks amazing. Oh no, you're just being nice. No, seriously, it looks great. No, I tried to look like Kate Hudson, but ended up looking like a golden retriever's dingleberry. <laughs> but you, look at your cute little dress. Little, I'm like a size 100 now. Anyway, I paid like $2 for it. It's probably made out of old Burger King crowns. I look like a whore locked out of her apartment. Hi. Amy. Hi. 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 I love 
that. Ugh, are you drunk? I look like an Armenian man. People are trying to buy carpets from me. Excuse me, when did you start working for NASA? You're weightless. Fuck you, I'm a fucking cow. Indian people are trying to worship me. I sleep standing up in a field. Fancy meeting you girls here. Uh, of course, I see everyone when I look like Susan Boyle's toothbrush. Ew, looks so pretty. That was really funny. It's like one of those sketches that was that probably would never have been on SNL, but was so perfect on on her show. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it was definitely. I mean, it was it was female forward, and um, I think now it probably could be on SNL because they're they've kind of broken out of the like stereotypical sketch format. But um, but yeah, that was that show is groundbreaking. I want to make sure we have time for our final segment. But before we get to that, I'm just looking, you know, beyond the bear season two, which, um, you know, is, is so exciting. Is there anything else that you, you know, really want to do that you, that you haven't gotten the chance to do yet? And there are other things that you're like gunning for? Um, honestly, I really want to work with my family again. Uh, my sister Bridie, who did Clara's ghost, um, we have an idea that we've been developing and it's gone through many changes over the years. And yeah, yeah. So, you know, to be able to do that would be really great. Um, but you know, I want to do movies. I want to, I want to do it all and have a family and, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. have it all. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All the wine and pizza. Uh, So now, yeah. Um, so now it's time for the first laugh, which is our final segment on the show. Um, and I want to start by going uh, all the way back to the beginning and the first piece of comedy that really made you laugh hard growing up as a kid. If you can remember something that that you really connected with. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think it was, uh, we had a VHS of the Gilda Radner, like the best of, um, and that really made me laugh. Um, you know, Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana, and, um, Emily Latella. Yeah. Latella. Yeah. Classic. Uh, and then they, my, my grandfather, um, Bob Elliott, he had a comedy duo and they did a special with, uh, Jane, Lorraine and Gilda. And yeah. And, and they sang, if you want my body and you think I'm sexy with them in the back. And it was like very, just like there, like these two old men singing, like very flat. Um, and I remember thinking that was really funny. (laughs) Um, when's the first time that you knew you were funny that you could make other people laugh? Um, I think it was when I performed a monologue from after Miss Julie in high school (laughs) that was, met with, uh, more laughs than (laughs) intended. You weren't going for laughs. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, you know, my dad always had us doing plays and he would record my sister and I doing shows and plays and like always made us feel like we were funny. And I think that, you know, he, he had a huge, um, impact on, me feeling like I could be funny. Yeah. I always ask comedians about their late night debuts. And I believe you were on Letterman in 1988. Is that true? Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> was I? What's the story behind that? Do you remember? Uh, it's, on, it's, well, on, I don't... it's on IMDb. Is it? I assume oh it was my with God. your dad. 
Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was probably, so my dad met my mom at Letterman and so I was like a Letterman baby and, um, yeah, they, I, I bet they cut to me in something, but I was definitely in the audience of his FDR one man show, um, as like a toddler, uh, we went on Letterman as like t- my sister and I, when we were like 12, um, some Conan appearances, which was really fun. And honestly, like, I don't even know how it happened. Like, I think we, it was just Brady and I begging our dad to like take us on TV <laughs> us on with TV. him. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So it was really fun and thrilling. And I remember like going into school after, you know, the Conan thing and being like, feeling really cool, even though it was like, so I, I think the bit was like Michael Jackson had had his kids in masks or something like from the paparazzi. And so like, it just cut to us in the audience, like wearing masks. So you couldn't even see our faces, but <laughs> you're like, I swear that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a story or memory from your career that makes you laugh now, but really was not funny when it happened? Yes. I love how quickly you answered that. <laughs> the series, the season finale of my first season at SNL, uh, it was Will Ferrell was hosting and I, it was a meet the press sketch, uh, parody and it was a cold open. It was Daryl Hammond came back to play Cheney, I want to say, and Will Ferrell was playing Bush. And, um, I, at dress rehearsal, Casey Wilson comes out with, you know, with papers and she has the first line of, of the scene and it's like, okay, Mr. Cheney, you're, you're about to be on meet the press. Here's something you need to sign, blah, blah, blah. And, and then I come in as a makeup artist and I'm like, how do you like your makeup? And he's like, whatever they do the sketch. Seems like a weird way to start a sketch. (laughs) Yeah, I know, but it made sense. I'm not describing it. Yeah. 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 Um, it was more just like setup exposition. This is this your first time on meet the press. And then, so when we went to air, um, Daryl's sitting there in, you know, his costume and I'm over as the makeup artist, like by the makeup station, you know, on the, on the set. And, um, I'm like doing my makeup, like getting ready to say my line to him. And, you know, they're like, and five, four, and then you're on. And so I'm waiting for Casey to enter and, uh, and I'm just like, Hmm, taking her a second. Okay. You know, (laughs) I'm like, okay, what can I do? Like busy work while she like, I'm like, Oh, this makeup. Oh, wow. Okay. That consistency (laughs) is nice. You know? And then I hear Jenna, the stage manager, Abby, Abby, Abby. And they're, she's like pointing to the cue card and I'm like, uh, okay. Like Casey's has her line. She's, she's coming in. Like, I don't <laughs> want to. And I literally, I don't know. In that moment, I was like, I just walked over and read the cue card. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, so Mr. Cheney, is this your first time on meet the press? I just started saying the lines on the cue card and for whatever reason it clicked in my head in that moment, it easily could not have, but it clicked in my head in the moment. Okay. Casey, Casey's line has been cut from this and now Nobody it's yours. You. No one told me you have the first on air line in the season finale. Oh my God. That's insane. And 
it was the most like adrenaline nerves like my body I think has ever gone through. Like it was truly, I just like burst out crying after. Um, yeah, yeah. That's horrible. luckily I don't think I was in anything else that that show. Yeah, so yeah. Um, you can take a break. I had the whole show to cry. And... <laughs> That's incredible, and it is funny now. Um, <laughs> yeah, and if you watch it, it's it's you know still online and stuff. So if you watch it, you can hear like happy, happy, and you see that split that second where I'm like, and now it's like in retrospect, I'm like it's not that big of a deal. I was being dramatic, but yeah, well, it's a high pressure situation. So, Mr. Cheney, this is your first time on Meet the Press with David Gregory. It is. Great. Now, how do you like your makeup? Enough color so I don't look like a corpse, but not so much that it looks like I have feelings. Okay. So, can I get you to close your eyes for me? Hey, makeup lady, give me that brush. I'm sure working on SNL, you meet, you know, so many famous people, so many, you know, uh, comedy heroes. Do you remember, do you have any stories about meeting one of your comedy heroes for the first time, uh, whether it was at SNL or, or anywhere? Honestly, Joan Cusack was really like, she <laughs> like is truly recently. my comp. <laughs> and that was recently. And, you know, she's amazing. And she's so, her perspective on the business is just, I mean, it's hilarious. And she, it, and refreshing at the same time too. She's just like, it's embarrassing to care about your weight. <laughs> this is embarrassing. What am I doing? You know? And I was just like, oh, you're so cool. I want to run a boutique and, you know, be gotta, just like you, but how to start the campaign to get her on the bear. I don't know if it's too late, but I know. I, I really, yeah, that's my, that's my goal. Oh my God. Uh, finally, I want to ask uh, my guests what's making them laugh right now. Um, so is there something that you've seen recently that, that made you laugh uh, that you thought was really funny? The Real Housewives ex-wives club. <laughs> um, it, it makes me laugh and I'm just truly obsessed with it. I need mindless, you know, TV. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, my cousin is now on SNL and he makes me really laugh. He's, he's a part of please don't destroy. His name is John Higgins. He's, um, hilarious on that show. So that he always makes me laugh. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would say real housewives and John Higgins. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm all, I'm all psyched for the Please Don't Destroy movie now. They just announced... Uh, yeah, I know. It's so exciting. Conan and uh, Bo and Yang and Meg Stalter. And that's going to be exciting. Very cool. Well, yeah, you have I did, You have even more family connections to SNL than I realized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. Maybe your, uh, your daughter has a future on the show or... Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, for her sake and... You know, that's, that's fair, but she, she will do whatever. She's very headstrong and you know, she's, she's amazing and already hilarious. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. And, uh, it's really great to, to meet you and, and talk to you and thank you. Great to meet you, Matt. Yeah. And, uh, good luck with everything. Thank you. 
All right. Just a huge thank you again to Abby Elliott for that incredible conversation. She is just an absolute delight. All eight episodes of The Bear are streaming now on Hulu. So if you somehow haven't watched it yet, or like me, just want to watch it again and again, please check it out there. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who is coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.